All right, well, welcome to another podcast. This is Brandon, and thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate your support. Also, uh, if you so desire, please leave a review, comment, um, like, subscribe, whatever options you have there. Uh, Any feedback would be greatly appreciated. Any rebukes, any praise, any negative, I I don't care. Just uh, let me know you're listening. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this podcast. I thank you, God, that there are people that are listening, Lord. I pray, Lord, as they listen, Lord, that their hearts have been prepared to receive. And, Lord, that as they receive, Lord, that it's actually you speaking into their heart and into their soul, Lord. That it's not flesh. It's not coming from just a a man's opinion. But, God, that it's really coming from your Bible. And, God, I pray, Lord, whatever's of me would fall and fail But everything that's of you, Lord, would be rooted in in like seed planted, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we come to you, that we prepare our hearts, Lord. If there's any irritations, any anger, any bitterness, any strife, anything that we're bringing uh, to this place, Lord, of listening, God, I pray, Lord, that we would shut it down, God, that we would surrender to you, that we would surrender our thoughts, our heart to you, and we would truly listen and not just hear, but listen and, and take in and absorb what you're speaking to our hearts. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you give us uh, truth to protect us, to encourage us, to help us, that God, you're not out to hurt us. You're not out to put uh, bombs in our path and destroy our life, but God, you're actually wanting to walk with us and protect us and guard us. And you love us enough to put it into your Bible, into this thing called the Bible, which is the word of God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's any bit of doubt or unbelief or looking at the word from this angry, ugly perspective, like the Bible's not true, this isn't real, God, I pray that you would stir that person's passion and hunger again for your word, that they would come at it not from a place of disparaging, looking at it from this very ugly, evil, God's uh, murderer, God kills, and all this uh, thing that religion has tried to shove down people's throat, but God, they would look at it as a relational thing of getting to know the creator of this whole thing, that all this universe, this world, that there was a creator. We believe it. We know, Lord, as we approach you, if we we come to you looking to know you from a place of intimacy, God, you meet us there. But I know, Lord, if we come to you with this arrogance and this idea of, you know, wanting to know you from this inspector place of of like uh, control or figuring it out. Sometimes, Lord, there's a confusion that happens because the enemy's on that. But if we come to you with a genuine heart to saying, God, if you're real, I want to know you, that, Lord, you meet us in that place. You meet us in a place where our hearts are genuinely uh, open to you, Lord, not in this ugly place of bitterness and rancor, even though you can still touch us in that place and love us in that place, it's really hard to read the Bible and have you speak to us when our filters are so uh, either watered down or twisted or they have, they're have they tainted because of life experience, because of uh, things in our past, abuse, violence, uh, maybe bad examples. Lord, I pray you would clean it all, sweep it all away in Jesus' name. And God, that there would be a fresh wind and a fresh coming with a heart that's surrendered to hear what you want to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to kind of 
go in a different direction than I've been going. And I might come back to Acts and continue to read from the book of Acts. But today I kind of want to talk about a subject that may be controversial, may make some people upset. And I'm praying and asking God to give me a balanced uh, a way to communicate this in a balanced way so that it doesn't, you know, make somebody mad or get them to think I'm some kind of, uh, you know, I guess what, sexist or, you know, opinionated. But I want to talk about what the Bible says about uh, the immoral woman. And this also, you know, you can take these scriptures I'm going to read and you can put them on men as well. You can put them um, on any person. But I want to focus mainly on what the Bible speaks about in this context. And it's not to say that um, it can't be a man in this situation because it very much could be. But we know in history and even in our society today, you see sometimes these situations and you're like, well, something's you know, shifty here and shady. And I believe this. I believe God created man and woman and he created man very uh, distinct and separate from what he created and put in a woman, even though they, they're similarities, but they are very different. One is a female and one is a male. And their frame, the way they, they're built is different. Uh, a man's frame is very different than a woman's frame. A man's voice is very different than a woman's voice. Okay, A, a woman's um, gift set even that's put in them from creation. There's, there's gifting, there's talent, there's intuition, there's things about the, the female that are there because of God creating her. There are things about a man that are there because... God created that man and they, the, the man and woman are, are very different. They're not the same. And there's a lot of gender confusion, a lot of stuff that goes on in our society today that's just 100% garbage, baloney, nonsense. And you know it's demonic because what does it do? It, it's, it attacks the thought life. It attacks the understanding of what it means to be a man, of what it means to be a woman. Right, We have all these people with their opinions, but why don't we just go to the Word of God and let the Word of God speak to our heart? You know, this is the thing about society. When you take the Bible and you cheapen it and you lessen it and you say it's not important, you're actually removing the very thing that the creator of the universe gave us so that we can live with him and with what he says and what he's the one who created it. He's the guy who designed it all. And we want to take the, the guy who designed it and gave us a book and then say, oh, the book doesn't matter. Oh, it was written by men. We want to cheapen it and, and say it doesn't matter. But if you actually go into the Bible with a heart of understanding and a heart to know God, I'm telling you, it's so rich and full of truth, full of wisdom, full of blessing, full of insight. It'll change your life. It'll give you a foundation to live from. I'm not talking about the religious nonsense of, of um, the religious church and the religious systems of putting on garb and, and doing traditional things. I'm not talking about that version of the Bible. I'm talking about the actual reading of it and out of the stories and out of what it shows, right? It shows dysfunctional humanity, right? It shows a, a humanity that is broken, that is busted, that, that uh, hurts itself, that makes bad decisions and God being there uh, in the Old Testament to love, to forgive, <clears throat> to show mercy, to heal, to deliver, to give them a way out, 
But then man still making bad decisions and broken and rebelling against God, hating God, turning from God, going their own way, and then running into problems and chaos and destruction. And then those who would choose God and choose his way and go in the right righteous path. And that brings life and health and, and victory. And there's proven, right, in history, you can go back and study it, proven stories, proven um, you know, facts that show when people have the word of God as a source of truth, that it actually brings health, it brings prosperity, it brings blessing into a society. But when you disregard it and you push it away, it actually brings, there's a lot of societies even today that, that are godless that you, if you go in, there's a lot of stuff there that's wicked and evil and uh, you know things that, that are happening. And even now in our nation that are happening because of a nation that turns away from God. You know, it's funny because when we swear in our presidents, we, we swear in the, the guy or the people that into office, they put their hand on a Bible, right? And now it's just like this thing that they do because it's a t- tradition. But let a, let a president, let a man go in there, put his hand on the Bible, and actually that Bible, he knows, right? Like he knows it in his heart. He knows it from a perspective of knowing God and loving God and actually loving people because of what the Bible says and loving society and your community and the people around you because of who God is. And let that guy be president and watch how he changes a nation. Watch how he changes society by his leadership. But let a man get up there, put his hand, be religious, be nonsensical, not even care about it, and then just touch it, and then that's it. And he never picks it up, never looks at it, never desires to have a relationship with God, doesn't pray in the morning, doesn't seek the Lord, doesn't seek out God's best for for his nation or who he's leading. And he just half-heartedly gets up. You know, it's it's about him. It's about his career, what he looks like, what he, th- and it, and then it just becomes a joke because God's not invited into that place. And so we need to invite God back into our society. And there's a lot of people that hate God. They hate the truth of God's word. Why? Because it addresses all these dysfunctions and uh, perversions that exist in our society. So they hate it because of that. They don't hate it because it's the truth. They hate it because it tells them that they're doing something wrong. And you're always going to have that. You're always going to have people in a broken world who are going to be angry because they get caught sinning, because they get caught doing something wrong. And then they want to justify and lie and twist the truth and, and, and do something twisted to get their way and make their way acceptable. And that's what we're seeing in our society. We're seeing people who, who the, the Bible would call rebellious, who would call afar off from God, who don't love God, who love their sin, who love their wickedness, and they're choosing it over a relationship with God. And that's what they're doing. It's the truth. And what we need to do is show them the truth of God's love and who he is and pray that they would receive him. That's what we want. We want people to receive Jesus because he is awesome. He is amazing. He is loving. He is merciful. And he's not looking at their sin to judge them, but he's saying, come to me. I want to show you what life's about. I want to show you why I created you. And so that's kind of the perspective I I want to read the word from today and coming from this place of talking about the immoral woman or immoral man. Okay. Not to make any women mad. Okay. Because I know there's, (laughs) there's men out there that are bad too. But in Proverbs 31, it says this, and I'm not going to go into the 
maybe towards the end I might go into the the latter part of this, but I want to start at the beginning. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. So here's a woman, just to show you, a woman who is older, who's wise, who understands women, speaking to her son and giving him wisdom. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, And what shall I advise you, O son of my vows? Do not give your generative strength to women, neither foreign wives in marriages of alliances nor concubines, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. So this woman is giving a very wise, instructive thing to her son about, hey, watch out that you don't make it your life and the, the desire and the main focus a woman in your life because it can destroy and rob you of who you are, where you're going, and what your position is as a king, as a leader, as somebody who's to hold weight and responsibility. If you're just looking to be with a bunch of women because you have a problem and you you have lust and you have these things in your life and all you can think about is what's the next woman I can meet, the next woman I can be with. And you're looking at on the outside and the beauty of, of the woman and the next thing you know, you're led astray and you find yourself in a place that destroys kings. Is it not for kings, O Lemuel? Is it not for kings to drink wine? It is not for kings, is what it says. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. Otherwise, they drink and forget the law and its decrees. So here's another piece of advice. Don't give yourself to strong drink. Don't desire and lust after being drunk and being intoxicated. You have responsibility. You have a weight you're carrying as a king, as somebody who has responsibility. You you want to carry that weight. You don't, and you want to keep the the law of God and the truth of God before you. And when you're drunk and when you're intoxicated, it will steer you and lead you away from those things. The where you forget, where you actually find yourself in a place of being so watered down and so lukewarm that you stop knowing in a moment how to respond to temptation, how, how to respond to things that come to destroy and to steal and, and rob from your life and to remove the authority that God's given you because of your sin or because of your um, excess. And there's other things besides alcohol, right? There's other things that we can partake in in life that, that become... Uh, distractions to what God's put in our heart or the vision or the calling that he's placed in us. And it perverts the rights and justice of all the afflicted. So you see, people can be drunk with power. They can be drunk with, with money. Next thing you know, they're, they're looking to, to have power and money over helping people, over having justice in the earth, having laws that, that help purify and keep people uh, in a place of walking, uh, you know, correctly and not having crime and uh, it multiplying in the earth because 
the rulers and the ones in charge aren't actually concerned about the people. They're more concerned about their pocketbook and they're more concerned about keeping power than they are actually establishing and helping society, helping people uh, actually health, be healthy, whole, productive. And we see that in our politics with politicians. You know, how many times do you hear jokes and bad things people say about politicians? They're liars. They're all liars. You know, there's a difference between a politician and a statesman. A statesman is somebody who actually cares and is concerned about the well-being of the people. Where the politician is more the guy who's politicking, right? He's playing the game. He'll say one thing and then he'll flip over here. That's why you always see those, uh, you know, those old videotapes of the politician saying one thing and then now he's flipping. Why? Because he's trying to win the affection of the people so that they keep him in power because he doesn't want to lose his place of prominence or his financial gain or whatever it is. He's afraid. Because why? Because he's in a position because he's got the fear of man on his life instead of the fear of God. And I believe a statesman who walks with the fear of God is going to be concerned about the people and giving them what they need and not what they want. And where a politician is always trying to give people what they want and then they lose their identity and all they're just full of lies or full of twisted views. And I'm going off on a on a you know different thing here, but I believe it's gonna all tie in and come back together. But you do, you know, read about politicians. What are the things that come in and, and destroy them? Prostitutes, right? Uh drugs, uh alcohol. Uh, they they get the temptations of life come in and these people who are supposed to be there for a reason to benefit society, to make it healthy and, and rich and, and protect the people that are hardworking from the people who are cheaters and liars and thieves and want to destroy and take what's not theirs. And instead of protecting them, they're now empowering those. I mean, it's crazy how society just shifts when you take away the word of God and the truth of who God is. God is out for our best interest. He loves us. He's not out to destroy us. What will destroy people is sin. What will destroy any nation is when sin is allowed to run rampant and it's not called sin. When people are out there just doing what they want and they're trying to say that uh, righteousness is evil and evil is righteous, and it's a confusion. You're looking at somebody saying, hold on, they're saying this is good when I know for a fact that's evil. But they get to do that. Why? Because they've taken out the word of God and they've minimalized and uh, talked bad about and brought a reproach upon the church, upon the Bible, and they mock it. And they take one minister because he falls. And now that's an excuse to write off the Bible and Christianity and say it's a bunch of nonsense. When in reality, it's not the Christianity that's the nonsense. It's the man who's fallen, who's broken, who's a sinner, right? He's the one who is the problem. It's not the Bible. It's not the word. It's the fact that the guy made bad choices. So when we give ourselves to these things, they come in and dilute and water and really, you know, uh, intoxicate us away from the things of God. And it allows for other influences into our life. And then I like how it says right here in verse six, it says, give strong drink as a medicine to him who is ready to die. <laughs> like, you, you know what alcohol should be good for? The guy who's in pain about to pass away, give him a drink so he can like, his pain can go away. He can have a little bit of 
You know, give it to them. And it says this, and wine to him whose life is bitter. And this is where I kind of, I go, okay, well, I don't think the Bible's giving us a, you know, a license here to go drink. Like if you're bitter, if you're bitter, go get drunk. You know, like here's a, here's wisdom from God. Uh, if you have bitterness and you, you, you're poor and your life sucks, then you know what? It's okay. Go get drunk. No, that's not what this is saying. What it's actually saying is it's exposing why people are alcoholics, why people are drug addicts and deal with these things in their life. It's because they're dealing with bitterness and, and brokenness and pain and struggle and they're looking at their life and they're comparing it with others or they're, they've had a broken relationship or whatever it is and the next thing you know, instead of seeing truth and right and coming to a place of repentance and getting on their face and crying out to God, who is the answer, who is the one who can turn their life around, they turn to a substance, an alcohol, a drug to come and to help them what? It says here in verse seven, let him drink and forget his poverty and no longer remember his trouble. So it's showing you why do people go drink? Why do people, yes, yeah, some will go on a weekend and party or whatever, loosen them up and get loud and stupid. And, and, you know, I think if you've lived life, like I remember drinking at parties and getting drunk and then it was like a competition who could drink the most and who could, you know, hold it down. And, and next thing you know, you're drunk and you're just like acting a fool uh, because you're wanting to party and live it up. And even that's a dead end road. I mean, that's not going to lead you anywhere. In fact, it's led a lot of people to having kids out of wedlock, of making bad choices, of men, you know, raping women or women, you know, ending up in a bad situation they shouldn't be in because of alcohol. Like, let's just be honest. Like, it doesn't lead to good things. But the Bible's actually exposing in Proverbs 31 the reason why people turn to these things because there's pain, there's misery, there's something about their life that they don't want to look at, they, they don't want to address, they're, they're running from. And I know in my own life that I've been in these places before. I've been in these places where you have to make a decision and the temptation is real and the struggle's real and it's easier to choose the thing that, you know, medicate, medication, take something, put something in your body and help you kind of... Uh, like what what they used to say back in the days. Oh, I like to drink a beer, you know, when I get home from work because it takes the edge off, right? I like to get home with just one beer. And it's like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Take a, take the edge off. And the next thing you know, you know people aren't really drinking one beer to take the edge off. They're drinking probably five or six pack or they're going to the hard liquor and they're giving it, you know, they're giving themselves to strong drink. And the next thing you know, they're numb and they're they're toasted out. Some people drink because they and because they have to, because they don't sleep at night unless they're, you know, inebriated because they have so much stuff going on. And their answer is to get on their face, turn before the Lord and pour out their heart and their life before him. Weep, cry, whatever it takes to break before the Lord and let God into that place because he's the one who delivers, sets free and will set your feet upon a path. will take you out of the miry clay, will take you out of the brokenness, out of the mistakes and the pain of your past. And he'll put your feet on a righteous path. He'll put your He'll make your path straight. He'll, he'll make the crooked path straight. His word becomes uh, the lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And instead of turning to the pain and seeing the pain all the time, he'll, he'll wash it away. He'll destroy it to where you don't see it anymore. You don't have to go get 
wasted and and whatever on a bunch of pills so that you can satiate this pain and this misery in your life. But you can ask God into that place to heal and deliver you. So now to come back to what I'm talking about when it comes to the immoral woman. So we see the king's mother giving him advice to not give his strength to women or to alcohol. Don't give your yourself to these things that are really there to take you out in the in the wrong context, in the wrong place. But put your heart and your mind on God. And then it goes down here and it talks about and then she goes in and describes a woman of God, an excellent woman. A woman who is spiritual, capable, intelligent, and virtuous. And there are women like that. There are women who love the Lord, who aren't insecure and busted down because of uh, their upbringing or because they have a, they've been redeemed. They've been, uh, something has come in and, and saved their soul from this, this tendency for women to uh, try to control the situation through manipulation and, and deceit. That there are women who are actually have a heart for God and who are virtuous, who are submissive, who love the Lord. And it's not even about loving their husband or loving the man in their life. It's about loving God. And as you read the word, you realize that that really is what it comes back for the man and the woman. If you're in a relationship and you're married, how do you keep a marriage in a healthy place? Do you lift one up over the other? Does does somebody get to win out and be, be the better person in the marriage? Or is God the centerpiece? Is God the reason? Is God the one you run to? Is God the one who comes and solves the issues and the problems in your life and the word of God? Or do you, or do you try to take it in your own hands? Do you try to make it happen or go seek advice from the world? Go, go seek advice from people who are broken and busted instead of going to the Holy Spirit and going to the Word of God and letting the Word of God come into your life and challenge your heart. And I'm not talking about abusive situations where there's, you know, obvious, you know, abuse there that they need an intervention to step in and bring healing and bring truth. But I'm talking about, you know, people who are just walking through challenges of life. Um, I've been married for 14 years this June, 14 years. And people tell you, oh, that seventh year, that's the, the real testing point, right? But I found that, you know what? It's, it's the test, especially when you're, you're seeking the Lord and your desire is ministry. You don't think the devil wants to come in and destroy your marriage. Then there's the number one thing that you have to like, okay, now I'm going to realize I have an enemy who doesn't, he wants to destroy my family he, because I've made it my goal and my passion to destroy his kingdom and to tear down and destroy what he's trying to build up in the world. And so to think that he's not going to try to come in and cause problems and division and destroy my home is me being delusional. I mean, it happens to people who aren't, who don't love God. So when you do love God, don't think that it's turned up a little bit more because he's trying to destroy what God put together. 
And the Bible even says, let no man put us under what God has brought together. And the way that me and my wife has have walked through some of the challenges of life has not been by a, you know, destroying one another, but it's been by turning to God and letting him heal, letting him show us and reveal to us the areas in our life that, that need to be changed, surrendered, delivered. There's areas in our life that have to come up under submission to him and it has to be out of a love for him and a love for one another. But you can't truly love one another with that natural love. The era, the sexual love, you know, it's awesome and it's incredible, but it doesn't save marriages. There are people who have incredible sex, but then hate each other and destroy each other and want to rip each other's heads off. There are people who, you know, have sex in their marriage and it doesn't answer the deep longing in their soul for companionship. And it was never meant to because you're never meant to marry somebody for them to become God in your life. God is the one who meets those needs and those desires in us. And he can amplify and pour into the marriage, right, health and wholeness as we submit to him and invite him in and his precepts and his truth. And not allow for sin and and lying and, and all the things that come into marriage to try to break down and destroy the unity of the man and woman. So there are excellent women. There are awesome women. I believe I'm married to one. I know because I'm married to a woman who is an incredible example of patience, of kindness, of mercy, who is gentle, who loves God, who who wants to be pleasing to the Lord more than she wants to please me. I believe she wants to please God. And I give her that space. I'm not trying to control her and make her me. And she's not trying to make me her. And I think that's another issue that comes up in marriage is you try to control and manipulate and make somebody you instead of loving the person for who they are, which is really what you signed up for. And really, you know, because in those type of situations where people meet and they get all lovey-dovey and it's all the honeymoon phase, right? They call it. And we put on our best and all this stuff. And then you're married for five years and you get to see, you know, uh, all the behind the scenes of the person's life, you know, the, the, the weaknesses, the things in their life that stink, the things, that, the attitudes, the, the selfishness, the pride, all the things that come up and try to choke out love and try to destroy and cause little seeds of dysfunction. And then, you know, then you, then you have kids that bring a whole nother level of challenge and challenging selfishness, challenging, uh, you know, how you view life. And it comes and it, and it challenges the, the, the marriage. And those things are there as a benefit if God is in the middle. If God is not there, then those things come and they will be the detriment. They will destroy the connection instead of actually making it stronger with God. And with God, he makes it stronger. He makes it deeper. He makes it even better. And with time, your marriage doesn't get hard, rigid, and you just, and then you hate and you're you look at your spouse and you can't, and you just like, oh my God, this ugly per, you know, and you're just like at a place wanting to like completely <laughs> run away from them. Or does your, or does your 
it does it get richer does does it get sweeter does the embraces does the love get sweeter does it get more passionate does it feel even uh worth worth more of of the choice you made because you go through the hard times you go through there's value there's investment and you're you've given yourself to something a hundred percent not because of feelings not because you feel it but because you've given yourself to it because of God as an example. He gave himself all the way to the cross. He gave himself as a sacrifice. And you have to hold on to that and be committed to your marriage, to your kids. Even when you fail, even when you mess up and you're the reason for the pain, you have to still stay faithful and still stay connected. And and it's the same on the other end. When when your spouse fails you or when they don't measure up to what you think they should be, you have to stay the course. And it's important to find a godly man or a godly woman because there's nothing like it in the world. It's actually a rare thing to find people who love the Lord and who are sold out to God It's like finding that gem, like the Bible talks about in Proverbs 31, if you continue to read there. It says, um, her value is above rubies, like a lily among uh, thorns, or or, or, um, I can't remember exactly what it says. (laughs) I just had it in front of me, but uh, I'm I'm kinda going down a different path here, but that, that in a man or a woman, that godliness, and that desire for God is more valuable than a guy with all the money, a woman who's, you know, hot, looking like, you know, wow, she's beautiful. But then you get behind the scenes at the heart and there's, it's just wickedness. It's vile, selfish brat, right? Or the man who's, who's selfish and, and, uh, egotistical and it's all about him. And, uh, you know, he, the, he, he abuses women, he uses women, he doesn't even care, it's all about sex, they're, they're you know, it's like a, they're a material, they're, they're an object of, of, that he uses up, and there's men out there that are like that, they actually live their life proud that they are player, and they, they sleep with all these women, so there's men out there that are dirty, and then there's women out there that are dirty, but this is specifically to the man of God, and to the man who has a heart for the Lord, this scripture goes to uh, what I'm going to share with you. Proverbs 5. Let's go ahead and go there. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Godly wisdom learned by costly experience. Incline your ear to my understanding. So here it is. God is saying again, like I prayed about in the beginning of the podcast, that your ear would be inclined, that you would listen and you would find understanding that it would come into your soul and you would go, oh, I understand. What is understanding? Understanding is, I didn't know that before, but now I do and I have a perspective that now brings a resolve and brings a peace. It it almost like lifts a weight of not knowing, like not knowing something and being in a place of limbo or whatever, it's kind of a tension, It's, it's an uncomfortable place. But when you have understanding come into your life, it removes the tension and gives you a place to move from, right? Like if if you're in a, uh, you're building something and you want a foundation to build on, the understanding is a foundation that you can build on and have it be sturdy. If you don't know and you're unsure and you try to build and the foundation isn't laid, then that 
be careful because as you build, something's going to come along or something's off and it's going to, your whole building's going to fall. So we need understanding in our life. We need understanding about God's ways and his truth. Says that you may, this is the reason why we need it. So we exercise discrimination and discretion, good judgment. And your lips may reserve knowledge and answer wisely to temptation. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey like a honeycomb. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter like the extract of wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword. How many people do we know? I'm telling you, the bars are full of them. Of men who've been destroyed and busted because of... A, a bad relationship or even women because of an abusive relationship they're busted they're bitter they're they're broken and they're they've turned away from god because somehow they blame god or they they get in a position where now god's responsible for their dysfunction when if they would have known the word if they would have had it close to their heart it would have kept them from the bad relationship it would have kept them from allowing this desire in them of lust or whatever it is to pull them away and go down the wrong path. It's saying, keep your lips from an immoral woman because, or no, I'm saying it says, for the lips of an immoral woman drip like honey. So her talk may be sweet or his talk may be sweet. They might talk a good game. They're this or that. But then at the end, it's like a scorpion. They boom, they just sting you. They lure you in and then they boom. And it says here, her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead, so that she does not think seriously about the path of life. So you have another example of a man or a woman who's in this place of immorality who just makes it about... Uh, you know, there's no God in this situation. There's no desire for God. It's it's a desire for flesh. It's a desire for attention. And there's women out there who who have to have a man in their life. I've met them. They, they cannot be free and liberated and just love God, but they have to have some sort of relationship. And you find them with these broken relationships one after the other. And sometimes they're good men. Sometimes they're bad men. Who knows? At the end of the day, God's the judge of, of the heart. But ultimately, the relationships don't work out because they're trying to find something that doesn't exist in a person. Okay, You're not going to find happiness and fulfillment in another person. You're going to find it in Jesus. You're going to find it in God. That doesn't mean that you can't have it with another person in marriage and in a relationship where you... You enjoy life with somebody and you have fun and you engage and there's intimacy and there's a depth there that only can be found in marriage, in, in, in God, holy matrimony, the way that God created it. But it says this, that her steps take hold of Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead, so that she does not think seriously about the path of life. She's not looking and thinking about the path she's going down. Her ways are aimless and unstable. You cannot know where her path leads. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from forget the words of my mouth. Let your way in life be far from her. 
and do not go near the door of her house. Avoid even being near the places of temptation, or you will give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, and strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned wealth will go to the house of a foreigner who does not know God, and you will groan when your life is ending. (laughs) Is this not like the story? And I'm sorry to laugh, but it's so true. Like, I guarantee you, there's thousands, if not millions of men who, whose li- this has literally happened to them verbatim. Like, if only they had the Bible at the end of their life to smack them in the face, to say, if you only would have put God first, if you only would have given your life to God, if you only would have loved him more than pleasure, only loved him more than the temptation and desire to go, you know, have sex or... or Follow the lust of your heart because of an adulterer, adulteress, some, somebody who doesn't love God. Let me tell you, if there's a woman and you're married and she's wanting to sleep with you, that's not a good thing. If she's willing to sleep with you, that means her heart is not close to God. Same thing with a man. If you're married and there's a man who's looking at you and who's willing to have you come and be alone with them and put yourself in an awkward position, let me tell you, their heart is not close to God. And that should be a warning sign to you to go, oh, red flag, let's change the situation. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in this place. Your hard-earned wealth will go to the house of a foreigner who does not know God. And you will groan when your life is ending, when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I hated instruction and discipline, and my heart despised correction and reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor have I inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was almost in total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. And then he says, drink water from your own cistern of pure marriage relationship and fresh running water from your own well. So God's saying, you want the real deal? You want the purity? You want what what really satisfies in your marriage? Drink from that cistern. Because I have a cistern that I've created, that I've ordained in marriage. If, If the man and woman love God, Right? I'm not talking about people who are married and you got one, one side of the marriage relationship. And they're rebellion to God. They don't love God. They're not after God. They're after their own thing. They don't, they don't care anything about the Lord. That's going to pollute the water. That's going to cause problems. But God's saying, don't allow for this immorality to come in and turn your eyes and gaze somewhere else. That's why it's so important about who you connect yourself with in marriage. You know, you want somebody who you can connect with that's you can have fun with and laugh with and cry with and have them be there for you when you're down. Have them be there for you to encourage you and not kick you when you're down, not spit on you when you're down, right? You want somebody who will uh, help you, support you, be there to be a, a, a nurturer and a source of strength, a source of supply. To, make, to let you know it's going to be okay. Don't worry about the future. It's going to be okay. And the ultimate source of our life is not a person. It's God. And when I say not a person, I mean a human being that's broken, who's flawed. It's the Spirit of God that comes in, who is perfect, who brings truth, who brings correction, who brings instruction. He's the one that can come in and 
make and bring peace. And the enemy's always trying to point out, right, issues and flaws and all this stuff. But when you have the Spirit of God, he comes out and he points out what's righteous, what's true. Like, like the Bible says, think on these things which are good, right, lovely. Put your mind on things that are truthful. And even if you have a, a, a situation where you're walking through, you want to speak life. You want to speak truth over that relationship. You don't want to prophesy death and destruction and, and, and name call and, be, and, and break down a relationship. You want to speak life. You want to invite the Holy Spirit and the presence of God to come in. Because God can do more in a moment than we could do in years of marriage trying to you know, control and, and change the other person so that we're happy. And truly, control is all about selfishness. You're trying to make the other person what you want them to be because you think you're going to find some sort of happiness if they'll just do what you want them to do. And we know in all relationships, this is a lie. It's a farce. You're never going to control somebody and find happiness, especially if it's out of that controlling spirit. And there are women who are in marriages who are manipulative. They try to control their husband. They try to run the show. They're like, they try to usurp his authority. They demean him. They, they, they're the ones who want to be in control and they manipulate and they connive. And it's like a Jezebel. It's like a you know, Ahab and Jezebel, perfect example of that type of relationship. It's godless. There's no spirit of God in control. When you see a woman who's, you know, loud and in charge and the man's over there docile and quiet, that is a, that is a red flag of something in operation that's not God. Okay. Okay. The, the woman can have a voice. She can have and be a leader. And, and especially in churches, women can lead and they can <laughs> a lot of times do a lot better than the men can. But at the end of the day, the man is the leader and the head of the home. And there should be a, it's, it's, you're carrying a mantle. You're carrying something that God has ordained and it shows up in the way that you carry yourself, right? It doesn't show up in this abrasive, abrupt, you know, woman always trying to force her way into a situation and control and dominate the relationship. That's evil. It's not God. And for women that are like that, I pray that God would help you. And read 1 Peter 3, or 2 Peter 3, whichever Peter it is. Father God, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray, Lord, that there would just be a peace that comes over people's hearts and mind to know your truth, the way that you've set this up. And, you know, back in the days, women were, you know, belittled, they were they were like house slaves and they, your job is to just cook and clean and do the dishes and shut up because I'm the man. But no, nowadays it's changed. It's different. And it's almost overcorrected where now you have women who are like, we're in charge. Men suck. And you know what? And then the next thing you know, they're loving women and they want to get rid of men completely because they've been so hurt or whatever by a bad relationship. But in its rightful place, men and women are like the best team. In, in the divine order of life, a man and a woman in unity and in love and in a place of purity are the strongest team you can find. And that's with God in the center, that threefold cord. It's you, a woman, and God in the center. And that makes this beautiful example of what? The Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That there's this cohesive oneness in God 
and how there's power and authority in that place. And the Bible even says, you know, if there's aught and don't let the sun go down your wrath, if, you have a, if you're married and you have a relationship and there's this anger and this resentment and bitterness there and it doesn't get dealt with, how the Bible says God doesn't even hear your prayers until you come and you reconcile and you be brought to a place of unity where God wants, he's so concerned about our hearts being pure before him. And when you're in a marriage relationship, it's the number one thing to come and purify your heart. That type of relationship intimacy where you're, you know, you, you're experiencing the nooks and crannies of each other's body. I mean, you, ha- you know everything about each other, especially when you've been together for years and years. It's like your love should grow for one another. It shouldn't harden. And if it, if it starts to harden, it's a sign that something's going on in your heart before God. Okay? It's not a sign that you have a bad husband or a bad wife. It's a sign that there's something disconnected at the heart level before the Lord and God needs to have the rightful place and the man needs to be in the rightful place and the woman needs to be in the rightful place before the Lord okay not before society not before politics and all the opinions of the world but before what the word of God teaches and it says okay so let's go back to the word drink water from your own cistern of a pure marriage relationship and fresh running water from your own well should your springs children be dispersed as streams of water in the streets confine yourself to your own wife let your children be yours alone and not the children of strangers with you let your fountain your wife be blessed with the rewards of fidelity and rejoice in the wife of your youth there's re- there's rewards in fidelity there's rewards in being faithful to your marriage relationship God will reward you. There will be a richness that that is experienced in intimacy, that's experienced in that place that is hidden from the eyes of men, which is supposed to be, okay? It's not for fornication, pornography, and all the wickedness of the world. It's for you to enjoy with your wife. And it says here, and rejoice with the wife of your, your youth. Let her be as a living hind and graceful doe. Let her breast refresh and satisfy you at all times. I mean, the Bible's awesome. I mean, come on, man. This is the word of God. This isn't just some, you know, book. This has been around for years and people ignore it. They don't even look at it. But if you look at it and read it, it has so much there. I mean, it literally says, let her breast refresh and satisfy you at all times. (laughs) Always be exhilarated and delight in her love. Why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an immoral woman? Why? God's saying, why should you? Why should you allow for you to find joy and satisfaction or some sort of passionate thing with somebody who is immoral, who doesn't even love God, who, whose heart is, uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't really know you and it's all just a fantasy? Why would you embrace the bosom of an outsider For the ways of man are directly before the eyes of the Lord, and he carefully watches all of his paths, all of his comings and goings. The iniquities done by a wicked man will trap him, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. Yikes. If that ain't the truth, and it's still in operation today, it's still happening today. Okay, people are, in, are held with the cords of their sin. It says this, he will die for a lack of instruction or a lack of discipline. And in the greatness of his foolishness, he will go astray and be lost. 
How many people in Hollywood, if they just had Proverbs 5 that they read every morning, would have a, have a strong relationship, a strong marriage, and would avoid getting into relationships with women that are going to destroy them and totally just rob them of everything that they've earned. We see it in our society today. Let's go on to uh, the next Proverbs, which is Proverbs 7. And these are really the, the verses I wanted to get to today because I read these quite often. And one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 2. And at the end, it gives a warning in the same vein as, as these two uh, chapters in Proverbs. But we see that God gives us instruction. He gives us insight into humanity, into the way, into his ways and how he wants us to live. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you so they are readily available to guide you. Keep my commandments and live and keep my teaching and law as the apple of your eye. Bind them securely on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to skillful and godly wisdom, you are my sister and regard understanding and intelligent insight as your intimate friends that they may keep you from the immoral woman from the foreigner who does not observe God's laws, who flatters with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and among the naive, the inexperienced and gullible, I saw among the youths a young man lacking good sense, passing through the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him, dressed as a prostitute and sly and cunning of heart. She was boisterous and rebellious. She would not stay at home. At times she was in the streets, at times in the marketplaces, lurking and setting her ambush at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. And with a brazen and impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you that you might share with me the feast of my offering. Diligently I sought your face and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings and cushions of tapestry with colored fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us console and delight ourselves with love for my husband is not at home for he has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and he will come home on an appointed day. So here's an example of adultery. God's showing here, here's how it happens, right? The woman who's miserable, who's at a place and she's, she doesn't have God. She's not seeking the Lord. She, she There's no relationship there with God. She's just got her own and she's, she's in this place. And now what? She's looking and she's lusting after a young man and she's plotting and planning to have an affair while her husband's gone. This is not the type of woman that you want to marry or man. A man who, while their wife's gone, plots and plans and, and, and has an affair or, you know, is, is watching pornography or, you know, plans to go to a strip club or, or whatever it is. The things that come to tempt men, right? Men are tempted and you have a bad relationship and you don't have love and you're not, you know, and so the next thing you know, you're making excuses and, and you go and you're married and you want to plot and plan an affair. Or you're a woman and you're dissatisfied and you got this young guy that's 
walking around and he's giving you the look and you're giving him the look. And the next thing you know, you plan to have an affair. Affairs don't just happen. They're planned. They come from the heart. They come from a place of of moment after moment of of ignoring checks. You, you don't just fall into an affair. You actually have to plan it. It says he's taken a bag of money with him and he will come home on the appointed day. With her many persuasions, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Suddenly he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, not knowing the outcome, or as one in stocks going to the correction to be given to a fool, until an arrow pierced his liver with a mortal wound, like a bird fluttering straight into the net. He did not know that it would cost him his life. Yikes. I mean, feel that. Feel the, the weight of, of the seriousness of these things that we kind of just blow off or, oh, it's normal. Oh, you're not happy. Go go have an affair. Oh, they even have uh, what websites now that, oh, you want to have an affair? What is it? Um, I think it's called uh, Ash- Ashley Madison. I think that's what it's called. But you can go on this website and you can plan an affair. You can go and find somebody who wants to have an affair and go have an affair. I mean, they literally have created a business out of it. And how many statistically, you know, would you, if you really had God's statistics, are people dying and people are not living long lives because of this thing? Because the Bible's true. And there's people that find themselves in bad situations because they don't adhere to the word of God. They, They adhere to their own way and it leads to death. He did not know that it would cost him his life. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her evil, immoral paths, for she has cast down many mortally wounded. Indeed, all who were killed by her were strong. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. How, like, what an intense scripture. Like, if you just meditated on these things, right? You're in a position, you know, we, we hear about Brian Houston. We hear about uh, men in the past of having affairs. And like, I wonder if they would have just like actually kept the word of God in front of their eyes. Because sometimes, you know, there's deliberate people sin and they don't care what the word says. They want what they want. They're going to do it. I don't care that the Bible says that. I want what I want. And there's a lot of people that, that do that. It's rebellion. It's sin against God. And it's not pleasing to the Lord. You're, you're not going to earn rewards that way. You're actually going to earn uh, rebukes and discipline. And sometimes, you know, we think that, you know, there's grace and there's mercy, but God's not mocked. And he has a way of doing things that, that where he settles the issue, you know, he's not, he's not up there just ignoring men and their foolishness. He created us. He's involved. Even when you think he's not, even when you in your mind, you think, oh, there's no God or God's not real. Oh no, he's real. And he's involved. He's involved in your life, whether you like him to be or not. He might not be, uh, you, you might not be submitted to his ways, but he's still, there's laws in place, spiritual laws, just like there's natural laws, right? There's gravity. There's a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. And some people call it karma, but it's just biblical out of the Bible. Sowing and reaping is the same thing, right? You're sowing what you want to come back to you. 
You should sow positivity. If you want to sow bad, it's going to come back to you bad. You want to have affairs, it's not going to work out for you very well. Any sin is pleasurable for a season, right? There's sin in our life where we actually enjoy it. We have fun. It, it seems fun, but then the end of it has a sting. It has a, That's why when I was younger and I did all these drugs, you know, like speed and cocaine and uh, what acid and stuff like this, like there, it might have been fun for like the that time you're you're peaking and you're high, but let me tell you, there's a come down that's miserable, and that's a perfect example of what sin does in your life. It, it, it you have this experience, you think you're getting away with something, but then it has this bite to it at the end where you feel it and you're like, oh God, I wish I would have never done that. And it's the same thing with drugs. Oh God, I wish I would have never done those drugs. And oh, and you go through it or, or you're, uh, you know, I remember being young and drinking so much to where you, you know, you get wasted and you're, and you black out. There's only been a couple times that's happened to me, but I remember throwing up and puking and going like, I'll never drink again. <laughs> right. <You're, laughs> and maybe there's some people that don't have those experiences and thank God you don't. And this isn't to boast, like I have some kind of like great, you know, this is embarrassing that I'm revealing this, but I have been in those places where you're puking in the toilet and you're just like, oh, and you're just like, never again. Oh, this, I'll never drink again. And then a week, couple weeks go by and you're drinking again, right? Maybe not as much, but that's, that's how, how foolish and how dumb our, us without God is, right? We, we really aren't that smart. That's why I don't understand how people can be atheists and agnostics because they just have the, right? They have the answer. There's no God. You're so smart and you're so intelligent that there's no God, but you're not smart enough to not have an affair. You're not smart enough to not sin and to be involved in things that actually are bad for you. But you can be smart enough to to come to the assessment that there's no God. It's foolishness. And I pray if there's somebody listening and you don't believe there's a God or you're, you know, just for whatever reason listening and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I pray now that God would reveal himself to you, that you would see that, oh yeah, he's real. He's the author of this whole thing. And he's put it before us, life and death, choices in life. And these choices could be good or they could be bad. And you can benefit from them whether you're saved or not. You can live and make good choices and it benefit your life without God. But God doesn't want you to live a life without him. He loves you. He actually created you. He wants that intimacy and your life can be even better. I'm talking about millions of times better with him in it. His presence is so awesome. And you invite him into that place. Not religion, not looking at men, not staring at men, trying to receive God. No, you look to Jesus and you see who he is. You hear what his words say and your heart is open to receive a savior because we're all broken without him we're all busted and we need a savior so if you want to do that i encourage you all you have to do jesus come into my life i recognize that i'm a sinner i recognize that i need you god and i invite you into my life and god i pray that you would reveal to me make yourself known to me god and i will serve you i'll give my life to you i'll bless you i'll give my heart to you in jesus name amen it's that simple you just come to god and you open your heart. And then you find other people that love him. You find other people that love his word. You find other people that love to spend time with him and pray. And you find some new friends. Find some a new environment. And stop hanging around people or being around in situations where you find yourself uh, with immoral women or an immoral man. 
God will build you up to where he gives you a strength and an understanding to stay away from these things in your life because they will lead to death. Amen. Y'all have a blessed week.